Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, Child and Teen Development Specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, many parents believe that money is another taboo topic that we just don't discuss. After all, there is a lot of emotion and status and privilege and judgment tied up with money that make it a topic that can be triggering for many. But when you think about it, where are kids learning about money these days? Many only see the swipe of a credit card and the magic of online shopping where we press some buttons and we walk out with some stuff or better yet, it appears on our doorstep or in our mailbox, we know that this isn't really how it works. And it's important to teach our kids about money, what we value, what we might be saving for, what we choose to spend money on, which charities we might want to give money to, what seems frivolous, unnecessary, or even counterproductive. But how do we talk to kids about our family money values, our goals, our choices, and how can we help set them up with the knowledge and the skills and the understanding so that they know how to handle money when they need to make important financial decisions later on in life? Today, we'll be talking to Chelsea Brennan for some answers. Chelsea is the founder of Smart Money Mamas and its money membership community, the Motivated Mama Society. An ex-fund manager turned financial educator, she is dedicated to changing the way we talk about money, helping moms connect with all aspects of their money in a way that lets them overcome emotional blocks, identify what they want most, and create the healthy money habits that help them achieve their biggest goals, all while modeling positive money relationships for the next generation. Chelsea lives in Connecticut with her husband, a rock star, stay-at-home dad, and two young and energetic boys. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for joining us on How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thanks so much for having me, Robin. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Before we jump into everything, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in teaching moms and kids and families about how best to handle money? I mean, if we're honest, what gets me up in the morning is my three-year-old who seems to refuse to sleep past 6.15. Of course. Um, That's what wakes me up first. But what really excites me is seeing families have more options. When I think about what wealth means, I really am focused on the choices that we get to make when we have the privilege of wealth. And whether that means, you know, what we think of as, you know, the millionaires of the world or simply not having to worry about 
how you're going to cover next month's bills, mm -hmm. right? Just that lack of stress opens so many doors. It makes us more healthy as parents and it makes us have more calm in our households and more choices. And so that's getting, helping other families be able to achieve that is what really keeps me working. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in your courses that you provide um, for all your moms, you talk about work that we really need to do first. Money is emotional. That's something that you say when you're working with moms. And we have a lot of stories attached to our money, our experience mm -hmm. with money, our struggles with money, what money meant to our family, what it afforded us, what it didn't afford us. So before we jump into talking to our kids about money, what is the specific work we need to do as parents around money? So we all have baggage when it comes to money, exactly like you said, Robin, there's so much emotion involved in it. And something that I tell our community all the time is that everything we do is related to money. And a lot of people don't like to think about it that way, mm. right? We like to think about our self-development and our life and our values as separate from money, which is something we get so often taught is, you know, evil or causes people to be lazy or mm. whatever, you know, narrative you've received from childhood. But the thing is, in our society, your ability to keep a roof over your head and food in your mouth, your ability to have those choices I was talking about earlier is all tied to money. So when we as a parent are deciding where our kids are going to go to school or whether we're going to feed them organic food and all these type of questions, money is intricately tied in that. As human beings, we can get a real fight or flight response mm. when it comes to just thinking about money, especially if we've had periods in our lives of lack, which means think about what our own biases, are, our own hangups are about money so that we don't inadvertently pass them on to our kids. Okay, so we have to really think about our relationship with money, what's gone on in our lives. I had this incredible conversation with a friend of mine a long time ago, but it just really hit home for me, basically the point that you're saying. So my thought, like my first money memories have to do with more like abundance not I mean as a kid you're not talking about I'm not talking about my parents having money but I was a saver I had money in my cash box all the time my parents or my mother or my brothers would sometimes like do IOUs to me you know in my cash box I remember walking with my dad to the pharmacy and there was like a trail of coins that somebody had dropped out of their pocket and me picking them up. Like I, I had that initial first couple of memories around having money or finding money if I needed it. And my friend was telling me that she remembers scrounging in couches for money because they needed to scrounge up enough to, you know, buy some food. And so we had already different relationships with money. My, you know, my feeling was quite positive and feeling like, well, if I don't have it, I'll find it. Hers was, you know, I always have to be scrounging for it. So how does how does our first money memories and our our stories that we've experienced really shape how we're going to talk about it as parents if we don't do the work. Absolutely. So I, I think that's so interesting that you and your friend had such different stories. And mm -hmm. I'd actually, if we had more time, love to dive into how did you feel when your brother, or your mom came to borrow money <laughs> for you? What what language did your dad have when you were walking with him and picking up money, right? Because it's those little pieces of the puzzle that kind of build the whole picture. Mm. Um, but what happens is, and, and your friend who's scrounging for money, right? 
Um, what can happen is that you have these generational stories, right? We are a family who never has money, who can't get ahead. Um, every time I get money, there's somebody comes along and takes it, whether it's an unexpected bill or some emergency, right? That we cannot keep money. And so what happens is we internalize that narrative. And even when we don't consciously recognize it, our brain is looking for reasons to prove that story. We, we try to our brains are taking in so many different stimuli all the time. And instead of considering all the different ways we can interpret something, it's easiest if we can create stability at any period of time. And the reason this is important is because the most core money memories are set around age seven, seven or eight. And this is the age where we start to get really curious about money and what it means. We can compare to our friends, we can look around and we're hearing things from our parents, right? We're, they're arguing in the kitchen. They, you know, your dad says some specific thing to you one time and your child brain makes a really big assumption about something with very limited perspective. And then we spend decades inadvertently looking for stories that prove that narrative, hmm. right? Hmm. And so if we don't do the work and identify what those narratives are, and we have people all the time who find that the narrative they uncover as they do this work, which is emotional work, is something that's a contradiction to every other area of their lives. Right? When they talk about their values, they're like, wait, I don't want to believe this about money. Why have mm. I been walking around with this story? Mm. And so we want to make sure we understand so that we can watch our language around our kids and help form their story in a way where they have a little bit more healthy um, mm. relationship to money. Mm. So really important. I love all of that. So you talk a lot about family money values. You talk about grounding our conversations about money in family money values. So what are family money values and what are some what are some examples of it? How do we sit down as a family to decide what they are? You know, do we involve the kids? How how does this go? What is all of this? Yeah, so your family money values are, are multifaceted. They start first with what are your family values in general, right? What do you stand for? Was it is it family time? Is it community care? Is it education? Is it travel? What are the things that matter most to you as a family? And the reason identifying this first is like I said before, we do a really good job of separating values and money, right? We we try to keep them separate in our in our brains and in our lives. But every time we send, spend money, every time we sit down to create a budget, we're voting with our dollars, right? We're deciding where our time and energy and effort and dollars are going out into the world, right? At the type of companies that we support, what we prioritize. And so when you're clear on what your values are, we can take more choice and more agency over how we spend our money. And when we get clear on what our values are as a family, when your kid asks for that toy that really doesn't align with your values, right? Violent video game, whatever it is mm -hmm. in your household, if you've developed that narrative that these are the three or four things that are most important to us as a family, it's not you standing in the store saying no, it's us saying, hey, you know how we talked about one of our values is whatever it is, right? Value, care. I don't think this aligns with that. Why do you think this fits into who we are as a family? And start that conversation mm. with your kids. Having that as a baseline is really, really helpful. Okay. And so what would be some examples that you might have or somebody might have of a family money value and like, how would it be stated? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, you mentioned a few, whether it's like travel or, or care or whatever it is, but like, 
is it stated kind of like a mantra? Is it stated, is there like some kind of simple sentence? How, how do we say it in a way that's going to hit home to kids? Sure. So we, like I said, so values are the first piece. And so for us, we have a one pager. It's our family money values sheet um, mm-hmm. that is in our kitchen on our, our family board. And the first part of that is just the value words, right? Just the, the three or four value words. Environmentalism is one for us. Um, education and curiosity is one for us. And so those are just the words. The next step is really figuring out what your money mantras are. This is important because first, if you have a partner, you don't even need to do some internal work. You have to open your lines of communication and hear about your partner's money history and their money mindset. Because Mm -hmm. what happens so often is that we have very different core money beliefs from our partner because we had different upbringings. Mm -hmm. And so a turn of phrase that might mean nothing to you could really trigger your partner and cause arguments where you didn't think there would be arguments, right? Mm. This could be as small as, you know, we had a woman in our community who was saying that every time she sat down at dinner and they were having dinner and she would remember that a bill came in or that they had to pay something and she'd bring it up and her partner would get really upset, right? Mm. Like, I don't know why you're bringing this up. And she couldn't figure it out. She's like, these are the most innocuous things. Mm -hmm. And as they started to do the work together, they started to set their family money values. What they discovered is that for him, his parents fought about money at the dinner table all the time. Mm -hmm. They did a very tense place to have dinner. And he just did not want to have money conversations at the table. But because he hadn't done that work for himself, he didn't know how to verbalize to her, please, can we talk about this somewhere else? And so for them, they were able to set a weekly meeting. Um, and said it that way. So part of your family money values is like, we talk about money at our Friday night meeting. If you have something, we can talk, hold it till then, right? Mm -hmm. And that creates a way that everybody's prepared to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And then once you both kind of analyze what your stories are in the relationship you want with money, then you're phrasing them into things, right? Um, One of ours is we have the skills and resources to earn all the money we'll ever need, right? Um, Both of my my husband and I are security seekers. My, my son is a, my, five-year-old is already showing signs of being like an intrinsic saver, kind of what you were talking Mm -hmm. about, right? Always having the money. And that can be a really positive thing, but it can also lead to a relationship where you're seeking money for the sake of money and not Mm -hmm. money as a tool. Mm -hmm. And so I want him to have that sense of abundance of like, okay, I've saved this money. I can enjoy it because I have the skills and resources to earn all the money that I will need. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of ours is when we save for the future, we're protecting our future selves. And so this is just one that we will probably change over time or at least take off the list. But when the kids are little, what they have to remember is thinking forward is really hard for little kids. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of feel like saving is taking their money away. And mm-hmm. one of the ways that we teach them about is is with that phrase we're saving for our future selves. Mm. And so we'll say to them like, Hey, you know, next time you're in the store and you see something that you want because you've saved, you will already have money for it instead Mm. of having to ask mom and dad. And so those are the type of things, the language that comes up. Mm -hmm. Okay. I really understand that better now. That makes a lot of sense. So there's a piece that we haven't discussed yet and that's charity. And it's something that I think people think about a lot that they want their kids to be generous and they want their kids to care about other things besides themselves, want them to be generous with money or time or talent or, you know, doing something that's going to help others. And and we want them to want to do it, not, okay, you know, now it's time to give your money away. So how can we get our kids interested in giving money to charity and what money 
do they give? Is it money they've raised, money they've made, allowance, like how much? Give us the rundown. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to hear me say over and over in this conversation, agency when it comes to kids, right? Mm -hmm. Giving them agency over their own money, their opportunity to practice. That's how we get them excited. And that's how we build that lifelong relationship to any money, really money thing you want them to do. So when it comes to giving, I think the first step is really getting in touch with what matters to them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and for young kids, like super young kids, that could even just be friends. And so instead of making it a charity jar or a giving jar, you make it a share jar, right? You say like, okay, this is for if you want to buy something for your friend. Mm. This is mm. if your friend forgets their their money and they want a chocolate milk in, in the store or in the school line, right? This is for you to share with the people that you love. That mm. can be an entry point. Um, and it lets kids experience the one-on-one -on -one interaction of giving and the joy that comes from giving, right? Because kids really need something tangible. Mm -hmm. The second part is picking a charity. Once they're ready to kind of advance past that age, and you know your kid best, but picking something that really aligns with what they love. So my son, my five-year-old, loves animals. Like just yes, he can name right. all these different things. And so for him, we've tried a couple different things. We've tried local dog shelters, but what he loves to do now is donate to the World Wildlife Fund because when he donates there, we watch videos on whatever animal he quote unquote rescues. He gets a little stuffed animal. And so now he has his little, he's like the, the stuffed animals he gets from, from World Wildlife he protects it's incredible to watch mm. him talk about like this is the snow leopard that i mm -hmm. saved this is the great white shark that nice. i saved and so for him we set it's it's 55 dollars. he's five so it's mm -hmm. 55 dollars to rescue um an animal which is a lot of money for a five-year-old sure and so what we do for him is we match. And so he's got to save $25. Mm -hmm. And once he does, we'll match the other 20. Mm -hmm. And we print off a sheet with a picture of the animal he's working on and a little paw print for 25 spaces. And every time he puts a dollar in his giving jar, he colors in a paw. And when it's filled out, we work to, we go sit together and we rescue the animal and he waits for the package. And it's, it's a big experience for him. And he tells people about why we're saving those animals. And that's one of the things too, is making sure you're really explaining the why, you know, everyone jokes about toddlers being like, why, 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 mm -hmm. <laughs> why? And feeding that reaction can be really helpful. So we've watched videos, um, you know, for the snow leopard in particular, which is one of his first ones about why do they need help? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, what's happening to their habitats? What is, and, and it was really funny. We watched the first video, Robin, and he looked at me and he goes, but where will the snow leopard keep its money? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, they don't wear pants. Like, <laughs> and I was like, Okay, back up. Yes. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about how this works exactly. Yeah, it's so cute. Yeah. And you can keep it age appropriate, right? So what we ended up saying to him is, you know how mommy and daddy take care of you? And then he said yes. And I said, okay, there are other adults who take care of the snow leopards. Mm -hmm. And so we're giving the money to the adults that take care of the snow leopards. You don't have to worry about the snow leopards losing their money. Love it. And that was something that just like connected with him. So it's really finding things that they're interested and passionate about, even if it's not the same charities you do as a family, sure. though you should talk about what donations you do as a family so that they understand it's not just them. This is something that we all do collectively as one of our family money values. Excellent. All right. I love that. Now, you know, you bring something up where you know, he's putting money in his in his jar or whatever. And so I have heard 
conflicting things about allowance from many people. Some say to give it, some say not to give it. Some people, you know, say they should be getting it for work. Some people should be not getting it for work because it makes them not want to do work. It's all over the map. So what's your opinion about allowance and how do we set it up best to teach our kids about saving and spending and goal setting around money and giving to others, as we just mentioned? So this is the great debate. As it you is. It Everyone really has is. their own opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I will say, first, I'll tell you what, what we do. But first off, the number one thing is consistency, right? And so whatever method you choose, stick to it because jumping around and changing the rules just creates a lot of uncertainty around money. We come back to what is our money relationship. Okay. Uh, just pick a method. It'll all be fine. Okay. For us – we choose allowance as a teaching tool and not as a way to pay for chores and work. There's a few different reasons for that. One, I think of allowance as a tool to teach kids about money. I want them to have that. I don't want to be arguing about whether or not they did their chores. I don't want to be in charge of, you know, the quality or do we dock pay and all these kind of things, especially mm. with little kids. This is exactly where I am right now. So that's it's such an important thing that you're talking about because we – we decided, all right, we're going to give an allowance, but they do need to do these things. And mm-hmm. sometimes they don't clean up the dog poop, but they've taken out the trash and they've done, you know, this, that. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do in this situation right now? Like, I am I supposed to not, they, it's either they do it all and they get not, you know, or they get nothing. Do I give them a fraction of it? Like, I'm exactly what you're talking, the, the, where you are right now with that statement. And it's hard and we go back to consistency being the most important thing, right? When you add these elements of do I dock it, do I not? Mm-hmm. How do I do it? Yes. There's just too much inconsistency. That's where I am. Like literally and- where I am. Like we only started it a little while ago and I'm like, this is crazy. What am I doing right now? It's so hard. And then for us, the other element is I'm raising two little boys. And for them, I want it to be a given that they help around the house. I want them to grow up to be yes. men who pull their weight yes. at home. And this is important for girls, too, but I think especially when we're trying to change gender norms and things like that. Agreed. Yes, like washing dishes and all the things and sweeping the floor. Like, my husband always was helping. Like, he's always been doing the dishes and always been doing the laundry. Like, we just had a very equitable split and just really easy. So, thankfully, my son and daughter have seen that. But it's true that in... In many ways, you know, we do send the message to little boys that, you know, the girls do the majority of the housework. And that is something that we absolutely were also conscious of. We did not want to send that message. And it is. So uh, my husband's a stay at home dad. Mm -hmm. um, And one of my closest friends, her husband is a stay at home dad. And her daughter, when she was like six, um, my friend is a doctor, (laughs) made a comment of like, Oh, boys can be doctors? No, oh, that's hilarious. Was, yes, it's like what was, you know, right? Wait, what you're exposed to. Right, and so we're careful about that exposure. So we do allowance just as, as part of being a, a part of the family mm-hmm. and, and as a money lesson. The second element is I think entrepreneurship for kids is a powerful tool. Like for many, many aspects of their future, be it grit and creative problem yeah, solving yeah. because, you know, as a business owner, you know that – a business is basically an endless series of questions that you have to answer and things you have to figure out. And so my five-year-old, we have chickens um, and he has an egg stand. So during the summer he sells eggs. That's adorable. That's amazing. And so he gets money from that as well, but, and he'll have more options for entrepreneurial things as obviously he gets older. No, that's amazing. And my hope is that, 
my kids will take an interest in something like that as well. Interestingly, so last year, prior to COVID, my daughter was in a special program at school and they were like going to be learning about entrepreneurship. We got only so far. We actually did a prototype, like did all the things and then COVID hit and everything got derailed. It's such a bummer because she was behind it. She was like doing it, but then all of a sudden she wasn't. So how, if you don't have chickens, can we get our kids sort of interested in doing something that is is going to make them money? Here in this community that I'm in, some kids who love to bake, they're selling hot chocolate bombs and cookies or whatever. But like, what if your kid's not into that? So what, what can we do to kind of spark their interest in something entrepreneurial? So this comes back to one of the other things that ends up on your family money value sheet is things that we don't say as a family, Mm -hmm. whatever those phrases are. One of them in our house is we never say we can't afford that. Mm -hmm. Either say we're prioritizing something else right now or we ask, how do you think we could afford that? Mm -hmm. And we pose it as a question so that they think about any time they need money as a way that they have options and choices. I love that. And so if you have a kid that you want them to get more interested in money, more interested in making their own money, it's paying attention to when they ask for that big thing or they get really interested in some big thing, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's, you know, an electric guitar or a dirt bike or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. or even just like a big Lego set and asking them, how do you think you could get the money for that? Mm -hmm. And tell them, you know, I will contribute this much if you can save 50% 50% of it, or you can right. save 80% of it, if you have the ability to do that. Sure. But then let them just explore it. And the hard part is stepping back and letting them sit with it um, and not trying to give them the answer. Because well, what about the see- people who are like, well, what, what if they just want to do things around the house? You know, and it's always, well, I could do more chores or I can, you know, help out more with this or I can wait it out until I have enough allowance that perhaps that's one answer, but maybe not what you're hoping for. So not every kid is going to be entrepreneurial. I think it's a benef- mm-hmm. I think it's a very beneficial exercise in practice. Mm-hmm. And I think if that if your kid has the patience to wait until they have enough allowance, because yeah. if it's a big item, it's probably going to be a long time. Right. That is also a fantastic skill. Okay, right? great. Long term thinking and grit and patience. Let them do that. Mm-hmm. What will likely happen with most kids who have a limited, you know, there's only so long they want to wait for the thing is that they'll do a couple months of waiting for the allowance maybe before they start to get antsy Mm -hmm. of how can I get more money. And we do live in a world where there are more options to make money even for kids than there ever were before, right? The lemonade stand is no longer the only option. And so if they're having this, they're waiting, they're saving for something and they're talking to their friends. There's probably a friend who sells the hot chocolate bombs or who flips sneakers or who Mm -hmm. has a YouTube channel. And so they'll start to kind of have that conversation on their own. And that is the one other option. If you really are interested in your kids doing some kind of entrepreneurship, there are tons and tons of YouTube videos and podcasts about kids who do this type of uh, entrepreneurial stuff, even just showing them like those one minute documentaries, 60 second docs has done a bunch of videos on kids that have businesses. Mm. Um, And just watching them with your kids and saying, Hey, like, isn't this cool? What do you think about this? Mm -hmm. About this kid who's selling lip gloss or the the little boy who is selling bow ties with the NBA. So cute. cute. Um, And it's just giving them that exposure and then letting them explore. And then, as far as the amount to give for an allowance or, you know, whatever you're doing at your house, how much would you typically suggest? 
oh, this is a real, this comes, the question comes with a lot of, of privilege <laughs> question, right? I mean, right. it's it's a hard thing to answer. It's going to really depend on what's available in your family and what makes the most sense for you. So for us personally, we do a dollar of age. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, which is works for us is something mm-hmm. we can do. We did move um, Henry's five. Uh, we moved him to $6 a week just because he has three jars. We do give, save, spend. Yes. Um, and he splits them equally between the three jars, mm-hmm. and I got really annoyed trying to split. It is a little bit of a pain to be splitting things in that way. You're right. Now, Robin, your kids are old enough that you could consider something like a green light or a FAMZU mm-hmm. where they have the prepaid debit card system, right. um, okay. which I think would be a really good thing. We start to get that 10 to 13 age right. range. Where, where, where we are, yes. Right where you guys are. It's a good time to start to explore something like that because as our kids get older and go out into the world, physical cash is just going to become less and less common. Yes. And so the earlier they can practice managing digital money and having to pay attention to the number Mm. on the screen and not the physical cash, the better. And so one of the benefits of FAMZU and Greenlight is that you can create basically little sub accounts so they can only spend from their spending account buckets and it'll automatically split it for you. So so in that case, when you're giving allowance, then you can just be giving digital money at that point? So it goes on to their their prepaid card. So you fund it as a parent, mm-hmm. and you can set up um, like a weekly deposit or a monthly That's deposit, so however smart. works for your family. Mm-hmm. And then it'll split. And what I also like about it, um, there's two things. One, you get oversight, so you can get texted when your kid spends money. So yeah. as they go out into the world and are doing things, um, and you can have stores that you have approval of. I know Greenlight does this. I think Famsu has been rolling it out. But basically, like if they're at GameStop and they're spending over twenty dollars. <laughs> I want you to text me first. Right. Before the, the charge. All of a sudden, so, they're like, we spent it all. <laughs> and so that gives you some oversight. And then the other part that's helpful, um, especially as your kids are doing more things with friends or traveling for sports, is that you can always load that card instantaneously. Mm. So if they get stuck somewhere, they need dinner, um, you forgot to give them money before they went on their field trip, you can just automatically, like, to send them another $20 that they have right away mm. um, so they're not stuck. It's just a, a safety measure a little bit too. Oh, this is very good advice. You know, I, I feel like, you know, all the, the information that we've been gathering about money over a period of time has, you know, told us, oh, the more you can use physical money, the better because, you know, then the kids are, it's, they're, they're tangible learners. But I think you're, you're really hitting on something here that it's just not the world we live in right now. The kids really need to learn how to use digital money and that it's not just the swipe of a card and it magically appears the thing that they actually have to work for it and they have to pay attention to the number. They want something that costs $25 and they only have $15 in there. That's not going to work. Yeah. And I think that it's a little bit naive to think that they're going to stick to physical money as they get older, right? right? Especially because they're buying money in apps, they're doing things like that. And so um, my favorite budgeting tool that I've used really since college, my husband and I have used it together as as long as we've been together is this tool called You Need a Budget. Hmm. It's fantastic. It is my favorite budgeting tool and I have tested them all for for our site. Um, It is my absolute favorite. And I was talking to their founder, Jesse, the other day and he has seven kids, um, ages one to 17. And at eight years old, he creates a you need a budget account for each of his kids. And for them, their money goes into the, you know, into their bank. And so it shows up in YNAB. 
and they can allocate it to different categories. And so what he sits down with them it does is says, okay, I want you to think of all the things that you want. Like, let's me create a big list. And he's like, you know, sometimes they'll get to 20 or 30 things and we'll decide what's most important. And we put those five or six things that are most important in their quote unquote budget. And every time they get money, they practice allocating to those things that they're saving for those things that are important to them. Mm. Hey, do you want to save some money for the summer? Mm. Do you want to save some money for when we go on vacation? And just giving them that opportunity to budget money digitally, to think about money, not only in the physical sense, but in a way to save. I do think that's a really powerful lesson. Mm. Loved all of that. And that will be absolutely used in our family. All of that. I think that was incredibly helpful. When we were talking, I what you were talking about just now about allocating money for different things and being conscious of what you're spending on. There are obviously so many activities and, and clothes and gadgets and trips that kids would love to do. And obviously we can't do everything because it takes money. So if you had a kid in front of you, how how would you talk to kid to this child about deciding where to spend the money when they're starting to really ask for more things as they're getting older? What's worth saving for? What's too much of a stretch like the designer this or the this version of the Apple that? And how, how do we help them to to kind of come to that conclusion so that they're spending money on things that that actually make some sense. Mm. So this is going to come back to you knowing your own money situation, right? Are have you built a habit of budgeting? Do you know where your money goes because they are watching way more than the words that come out of our mouths, right? And so the reason that's important in this instance as the kids get older is that you have a number that you can say to them like, "Hey, we have $3,000 a year for your activities, mm. right? For whatever it is. Let's sit down in January. Let's sit down, you know, even when they ask, say, you know, this much of the year is left. We've already spent X amount. So you have this much left. How would you like to spend that money? Mm, what that's so interesting. Yeah. You oh, okay. like to do. Mm-hmm. Give them that. Once again, that choice that and, and they might decide this is another way the entrepreneurial stuff comes up. They might decide, hey, I really want to go to this fancy baseball camp, but I know that we only have this much money saved for the activities. So if I have I need to save this much more of my own money to be able to go to that camp. And so some parents think about that as, you know, too much responsibility on kids and they just want to give their kids the experiences they didn't have. And that's totally valid. Mm-hmm. But I think you use that you wanted to give your kids opportunities to set the budget don't mean that it's some uncapped budget because that first of all it's stressful for you it puts you in a position where you might say yes to something that you can't afford Mm -hmm. and that's sacrificing your own financial stability and it doesn't give your kids the chance to practice choice Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you can do the same thing with clothes and so my kids are still little like i said they're five and three but i have incredible friends that around the age of 12 and 13, Mm -hmm. they actually turn over the clothing budget to their kids. They say, okay, this is your annual clothing budget. I expect you to have, you know, clothes, you know, bathing suits and shorts for the summer and, and good clothes for, you know, church or temple or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, but you decide. And so what, what, one of the things that we talk about is, um, one of the parents who does this talks about like the land's end method. I think it's Ron Lieber talks about, you know, land's end being that like middle of the road clothes, Mm -hmm. like not super cheap clothes, not super fancy clothes. So Mm -hmm. he and his wife will sit down 
determine how much they think their kids' clothing for the year should cost if they just went to Land's End. Mm -hmm. And the kids can decide, hey, we want super, we want to go to the thrift store for t-shirts, but I want designer jeans. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. As long as that is their money. And if they run into a situation where they blew all their money in the first quarter and now they're wearing, you know, jeans are a little too tight or a stained t-shirt, as parents, the hard part is that we then have to let them experience that and either find their own solution or next time plan ahead better, Mm. right? Okay, yeah. Ron Lieber is actually going to be on the podcast talking about his book too. And so that's interesting that that, that's coming straight from him. The idea of, of turning over the clothing budget to your child so that they can really think about what it is that they truly want is is really an interesting way of going about this of course my mind's going to and what will she buy like you know things that uh, i'd be like what yes (laughs) and there's actually for the parents who are listening who have little kids like me there are ways if you start early to really prepare them for that level of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we do with our boys, even now at five and three, is we'll walk into the grocery store together and say, okay, we have $25 for fruit. You guys go pick what fruit you want. And so they walk around and they say, okay, strawberries are $6. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of start to do that math and they figure out like, okay, if we get raspberries, we only get four little things of raspberries. Right. But if we get oranges or apples we get a lot more Mm. and so letting them practice that limit and then once they get to clothing they have a little bit more experience right okay these are all really great tips you know one of the things that you mentioned a little bit earlier and it was kind of in passing but it really is an important question is around privilege you're saying you know you know allowances really based on on privilege and i just want to just go further on that if Given that everybody grows up with the, you know, different amount of money, certain kids grow up with privilege as it relates to how comfortable they are in their house and what they eat and what they can afford in terms of toys and games and gadgets. What would you feel like we should be discussing as it relates to money disparities and poverty and privilege with our kids? So this is this is a tough question. It depends on where you stand in mm-hmm. that you know, range of wealth. And and as a family, if you're someone who has a lot of privilege, I think it's exposing your kids to what life is like for people of different socioeconomic statuses. It's reminding them that some people don't have a safe place to sleep or some people don't have enough food. And in, in involving them, whether that's, you know, volunteer, spending time volunteering or simply just having those conversations at the dinner table. How are we helping? How are we changing things? Mm. Um, there was a, a story and my mom will be embarrassed that I share the story, but that's okay. Um, she understands the value of what we talk about <laughs> in the Motivated Mama Society. We used to do this. Um, we used to adopt families around Christmas. We, I, my brother and I grew up playing hockey and every team in our organization would adopt a family and, and put on Christmas for them, right? Mm-hmm. Get presents. And yes, food. yes, yes. But in general, you don't meet those families because they want to protect the, the sure. safety of those families. And so you drop them off as a set at the center and they get distributed. Right. Still a great exercise. You just don't get to see the hands on. Right. One year we got a bike for a kid who had wanted a bike. And so the the center couldn't distribute it. They didn't have the right size vehicle. And so they had us go drop it off at the location. And so we drive up uh, to this house 
and my mom's we're getting out and my mom's like we have to go up to the second floor to drop the bike off and my brother was like why can't we drop it on the first floor she was like they don't live on the first floor they live on the second floor mm-hmm. and he had never seen a multifamily house before mm-hmm. right it's just something that didn't even pro- and she was mortified that he'd been so kind of like in a bubble that he didn't recognize mm-hmm. that like not everybody lives in a single family house right. that there are apartments in. and so that created a lot of conversations but it's remembering that we all see our own limited perspective when we talk about segregation we often talk about racial segregation but very very significantly across the country socioeconomic segregation is still a real big issue where we mostly interact with people at a similar socioeconomic status than us and so mm-hmm. we don't understand the differences and so it's exposure it's opening that door that line of communication and offering ways to support and help and just giving them that range of perspective mm-hmm. um but it, it's it's a tough topic and it's one that kids aren't really going to super understand unless they experience it which mm-hmm. once again comes back to whether it's volunteering or sending your kids i know we have friends that send their kids to like um magnet schools or things like that yes. that are more diverse uh, right. aspects but it's just it's just keeping that line of communication open i think is always the biggest thing yes our kids need to experience it and see it and learn about it in order to make it actually sink in we can't just then sit down and talk about it at the dinner table we have to bring them to places where they can actually do the work and and see uh the difference and and hopefully make a difference in that same in that same vein especially if that's important to you we have women in our community who reach out and say hey i really want to teach my kid about money i really want to teach him healthy money habits but we don't really have a lot of money. We're really mm-hmm. struggling, right? right. Um, families going through bankruptcy or significant amounts of debt. And I just want to, anyone who's listening that is in that situation, you don't need allowance to teach your kids about money. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to be financially privileged to teach your kids great money lessons. This is once again, an aspect of they are watching you. Mm-hmm. And so much of, you know, that, that money mindset being set around seven or eight is just what you're doing and the language you're using. And so one of the greatest things is like, if you sit, you have a time of the month that you're sitting and doing the bills, talking through it as you do that. Like it, when you get to a stressful situation or you make a mistake, are you really upset about it and raging and which is you know a normal human reaction or are you taking a deep breath and saying oh man like this is too bad um i underestimated how much this was going to cost uh i luckily we have a little bit saved to cover that or luckily we can you know cut cut back on some groceries or some extra thing to cover it and let them show show your kids that problem solving thought process and this idea don't get stuck in you know we will always be in this place Mm. once you can start to heal your own money mindset even if you're not all the way there yet even if you aren't to a place of financial security and safety if your kids see that you have a positive outlook um, they will start to adopt that as well and watch all the skills and tools you're using to keep them safe and that will develop a very healthy money mindset as well. So is there any skill that we haven't covered yet that you would absolutely tell our audience that we should teach our kids when it comes to money? Mm. The biggest one we somehow haven't talked about, Robin, is saving. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure we touch on this because I think this is a place that a lot of parents with all the, you know, positive intention in the world screw up a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so... 
we as adults have seen the power of saving early and the power of compound interest, and we are so excited for our kids to, to learn that and, and build it in and start saving early that sometimes we put adult saving expectations on our kids. Mm. What I mean is, I'll hear from a parent who says, my seven-year-old started getting allowance, 50% of their allowance, I automatically, we automatically transfer into their bank account for their car or their college or something like that, and we're teaching them how to save, and they're super excited. And I have to take a deep breath, say, <laughs> okay, your seven-year-old can't think to when he's 20 years mm -hmm. old. Mm -hmm. He can't do it. Like his mm -hmm. brain physically can't do it. And what that means is he is developing a relationship that when I receive money, part of it just disappears. Mm -hmm. And that saving is my money just disappearing, mm -hmm. which is not the relationship that we want to build. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to build a, a kid who saves, who thinks about the future, who has that delayed gratification, we have to start age appropriate. And so when you're talking real little, the earliest I'd start doing this is around three or four, mm -hmm. then you're talking four to six weeks. And then as they get older, that number gets a little bit higher. So at seven or eight, you know your kid best, but maybe that's six months, maybe that's eight months. And so for in that case, you can pick something that they really want, mm -hmm. a big Lego toy, whatever mm -hmm. it is, even though they're gonna spend their saving money, that is what saving money is for. I think mm -hmm. as adults, we sometimes forget that too, that saving doesn't mean it stays there forever. Saving is just future spending. Mm. And whether it's 30 years from now or six months from now, they still learned the lesson. And so pick something that kind of stretches their ability to do that long-term, that delayed gratification. Print a chart because kids are visual. They do mm -hmm. want to see progress and development. Adults do too. Print out a chart. Let them color it in as they go. When they get it all filled in, go and buy that thing. Because mm. then instead of the relationship being saving is my money disappearing, saving is no fun, what they learn is if I can be patient, I can get things I would never have gotten otherwise. Mm. Mm. And so instead of saying no, then you're t saving. So keeping that saving age appropriate, and they will, you know, by the time they get to 12, the idea of saving for a car in four years, saving mm -hmm. for college in six years, that's way more easily explained. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I would still keep, like you said, those buckets, right? So instead of taking 50%, say take 20% goes into longer term savings. Mm -hmm. And then there's a bucket that's more, okay, these are the bigger things that you might want in the next year or two. Let's set some money aside for that instead of just this amorphous retirement that your kids just can't contemplate. So if you were going to set that up with your kid right now, what would you say to your child today? about saving for something that they're interested in. They're in front of you right now. What would you say? So we, we have these conversations because my most of my boys always have to have a savings goal. It's part of their because they have a savings jar. They want to have a savings goal. So one of the things that we say to them is your savings jar is for when you want something really special that you don't have enough for in your weekly allowance, right? Mm -hmm. That um, maybe you get, you know, two bucks into your spending money. Um, it's going to take a little while for you to save up for that Spider-Man Lego. That's one of the things my mm -hmm. five-year-old is saving for right now. So what if we print a picture of it? My five-year-old likes to see the actual picture of it. Mm -hmm. um, and we start to save. And then when you're ready... We can get it together. Um, otherwise, we have to prioritize different things right now. That comes back to that one piece of language. We're prioritizing different things right mm -hmm, now. Mm -hmm, um, and so that's kind of how we explain it to them is it's something extra special mm -hmm. that you don't have enough money for right now. Mm -hmm. But how can we get enough money for it mm -hmm. in the future? Mm -hmm. um, and always framing it around you know, that, that problem solving. What can we do to mm -hmm. get you there? And you said that you would be coloring something in as time goes on. Um, would you put that at the bottom of that page or you know that spider-man 
Lego yeah. set. So where we keep our boys' uh, jars, they're, they're, um, they're allowance jars. There's hanging pictures above each of those jars. So for each boy, they have a giving, a sharing page and a saving page. And so it's usually a picture of what they're trying to do at the top. Mm-hmm. And then different, you know, in our, we have different um savings trackers for kids on the smart money mama site and so some of them look like game maps some of them like i said for when we're doing the animals it'll be like paw prints Mm. and so they just color one in for every dollar or as they're saving for bigger things sometimes you know a paw becomes five dollars or whatever it is um as your kids get older Mm -hmm. but yeah they're and they visually get to walk in and see that chart and i think Mm -hmm. that that's helpful too because sometimes things happen where you don't get to put the money in that that week right you need something and this is more for kids that are older right my five-year-old doesn't experience this as much but if your kid was responsible for their clothing Mm -hmm. and so they have their little ynet budget or they have their savings chart and they're really saving for something special but you know, those designer pair of jeans they spend a lot of money on rip and now they need new jeans. And so they have to take a little bit of money out of their savings to make that happen. Just like with adults, what we end up saying is, oh, we screwed up. Like now we're going backwards. And mm. that chart, that visual chart lets let you show them. But look, you've already colored in 30 percent. You look how much progress you've made. Mm-hmm. That's not gone now. We're just we're taking a pause mm-hmm. and you'll continue to make more progress going forward mm. um, because we have to let them see that it's not always going to be a linear straight growth forward there's going to be pauses there are going to be points we go a little bit backwards mm-hmm. it's okay as long as we keep moving forward mm. yes absolutely and i think those tangible tools are so important now the last thing i wanted to talk to you before we end up with our top tip and everything is money legacy you talk about this in your course as well and you you talk about creating a money legacy that you can pass on to your kids and and you know if you made a uh, what you think of as mistakes and you want them to feel more comfortable and secure and successful or you didn't make that many mistakes you'd like to pass on what you what you gained and as knowledge from your, your own parents how can we begin right now to create a money legacy that's beneficial and that truly matters? Absolutely. So when we talk about um, a money legacy, generational wealth, so often what we're thinking about um, is actual dollars in the bank, right? We're talking about Mm -hmm. that inheritance number. And I think it's bigger than that. I think starting right now is just having these conversations, doing your own internal work on what your money mindset is. Because the number one thing we're passing down is the relationship with money that our kids have and that that relationship that they're gonna be able to pass on to their kids. And so if we can teach them to be problem solvers when it comes to money, if we can teach them to be confident in their choices and good savers, good delayers of gratification, they will be fine. Whether or not we can leave them dollars, they will be able to take care of themselves, right? And to value their own work and their own skills. All of that are amazing things. So that's step one, really starting today and getting things under control. Step two for a really good financial legacy um, is making sure that you are prepared um, for end of life or for emergencies, right? Things happen unexpectedly all the time. And this is making sure you have a proper estate plan, whether that's a will or a trust, that your kids have guardians if something happened to you and and or your partner, um, that you have life insurance so that they are cared for regardless of whether or not you can physically be there for them. Um, And then we have a family emergency binder that you know, make sure that people know how you pay the bills and where your bank accounts are and what your kid's favorite food is so that if someone else had to step in and do your role for you, it's 
as easy as possible and they can help your kids. They'll have more space to help your kids emotionally go through a difficult time. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, that's that second pillar of making sure that when we're thinking about generationally, we do have to pass on things to the next generation. And so making that transition as smooth as possible. And then the third part is wealth. So building wealth, having an inheritance is amazing. But when you talk about the majority of inherited wealth disappears in one generation. Almost the rest of it disappears by the second generation because we're passing on money, but we're not passing on the right lessons to continue to preserve and build that wealth. So I think about that as the last step, not the first one. Thank you for that. And the step-by-step is, is great so that people can follow that and ask themselves some really powerful and, and vital questions of, you know, have I done this yet? And what do I need to do in order to make sure this happens? Why don't you finish this sentence? The most important skill you can teach your kids about money is? <laughs> the most important skill you can teach your kids about money is that they have choice. And so any time that they feel stuck, there are more options than they can see in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because I think as so often as parents, and we saw this in the last year with the pandemic, right? People getting laid off, people being in difficult situations, and you feel stuck and like you have no choices. Mm -hmm. And when we get to that place, we stop, right? We freeze instead of googling what resources there are instead Mm -hmm. of looking around instead of calling our network and so if you can teach your kids that there is always choice when it comes to their money they'll be able to figure anything out Mm -hmm. excellent give us your top tip what do you want us to come away with from listening to this podcast that we can either do right away or that we should be thinking about what is your top tip Start talking to your kids about money. Mm. So often we hear from people who think that they have to have it all figured out, that they have to have healthier money habits before they can talk to their kids about money. That's not the case at all because we're never done with that work, right? We're never done unraveling our money story. We're never done learning new things. And the sooner we can start having intentional conversations, the sooner our kids start trying to just fill in the blanks on their own with that limited perspective we talked about before. So that's my biggest piece of advice is to just start the conversations. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. Give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you and the work that you're doing? Absolutely. So if you head to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Dr. Robin, um, you will find our financial literacy activity pack. So we have a kit of 11 different games and activities for kids aged three to 13 um, to teach them a wide range of money skills. First being money identification and coins. Um, And each of these learning activities comes with an explanation about what your kid is actually learning in every lesson and what to be watching for. So this has been really helpful for, for teachers, really helpful for parents who are just trying to build new lessons in and then it grows with your kids so one of the things in there too is uh dinner time money talk cards mm. so you know 20 different good discussions to have at the dinner table with your kids about your guys beliefs about money as a family mm. so you can find that there as well as links to our free family money value template Excellent. This has been so helpful. I think just getting us all squared away to begin the conversations that are so important to have. I just want to thank you so much, Chelsea, for your insights and your strategies and your language so that we can have these conversations starting today and really think about how our money is impacting how we talk to our kids, how we behave around money, and and really what we can do next to make the difference 
for ourselves and for our kids. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. This was lovely. Yes, really was. Well, many thank yous to you. And I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. You can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm also on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it. I can't tell you how important it is. It makes such an impact. I would truly appreciate it. And, you know, share it with others because the more people can learn about these strategies and these tools, the better it will be for everybody. We want everybody to know what to do about money and how to talk to kids about money. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please go to drrobinsilverman.com. There's so many great podcasts up there, and the show notes to this podcast with all the links Chelsea gave us and all the information that she provided will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. Perhaps you heard something today and you're thinking, I haven't talked to my kid about money or I messed up about allowance. Maybe that was me too. You know, maybe I've, I've done something that I, I didn't mean to pass on about money. That's okay. We can do it again. You can start here. You can start now with this new information. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you're tender times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.